Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome to On Texas Football. I'm Bobby Burton, your host. Texas football is currently at a crossroads of sorts. The Longhorns are four and three with back to back losses to OU and Oklahoma State. And now the Longhorns uh, are staring uh, Baylor and Iowa State in the face. Uh, so to talk about that crossroads and where Texas goes from here, uh, I'm going to ask, I've asked Eric Nalim to sit in. Eric is the publisher of InsideTexas.com, uh, the number one authority on, on Texas sports on the internet. Eric, welcome in, bud. Hey, thanks for having me. Hopefully these crossroads aren't like the Bone Thugs and Harmony song about uh, <laughs> about untimely deaths. Uh, hopefully that's not the crossroads we're talking about here, Bobby. Well, I hope not, right? I mean, that's, unfortunately, we're, we're this is really where we're at, right? I mean, yep. we went yep. from, uh, you know, you take, think back to the third quarter of the OU game and Texas is up by three scores, I think, at the time or, or what have you, and you're thinking Texas is, is got a chance to be five and one, maybe six, excuse me, six and one sitting here today. And instead they're four and three. Um, and they're questioning, they have to be questioning themselves because frankly, the, the, you know, the rest of the world is, you right. know, and, and I didn't hear anything from Steve Sarkeesian or the coaching staff last week that, or even your not your insider knowledge that you got from practice reports that led me to think that there was some sort of answer found last week. Uh, so I might, I might, I might, I might push back a little bit there, but we will get into it. I, yeah. I do agree with you that we're at that point of the season where, you know, after the OU game or in the middle of the OU game, you're thinking, well, the Baylor game's an afterthought. You're not worried about Baylor at all. And here we are. And you, you have to be worried about Baylor and only Baylor. Um, I do think they, that they, they, might, they might be stumbling onto some stuff, Bobby, and I could be wrong. Um, you know, that the base defense worked really well against uh, Oklahoma State, and I think that's going to serve them well, certainly in the next two weeks uh, versus the rushing uh, attacks that we're going to see. Baylor, of course, is, is kind of defined by the run game. And then Iowa State likes to go with big personnel. Uh, obviously, we know their tight ends, uh, you know, they're still running down the middle of DKR from last year's uh, game. So I think they kind of stumbled onto some things with that base defense and putting Alfred Collins at, uh, at the Jack defensive end. So I think that they're gonna, we're going to see continued uh, improvement against the run. And, and obviously, as you were saying before we went on air, uh, that's going to be the week that we need to see it because Baylor's going to want to run the ball. Yeah, I, I mentioned this uh, to you. You and I were talking to, to, to amongst ourselves. Baylor enters the game number nine in the country rushing at 6.8 yards a carry, and that includes any quarterback sacks they've given up. That's, that's just a phenomenal stat. They're nine in the country. And this is the other part of this. Texas is number 14 in the country. So Texas is generally running the ball well behind or with B. John Robinson, except in the second half. We can get into that. But um, the, the point that I would make there that that brings me a bigger question is, OK, that's great. They're pretty much even on rushing offense. But I look at um, I look at the rushing defense stats conversely. And Baylor's in the top 50. They're not, they're not outstanding or anything. Baylor's in the top 50. Texas is at number 115. Yeah. Yeah, that makes me want to cry. Um, <laughs> I think uh, 
I, I think we're going to see improvement throughout the rest of the season. You know, I could be wrong. Uh, you're going to see Brees Hall in two weeks. And then upcoming this week, they've got a really good tandem in uh, Abram Smith, who's an e- excellent story, uh, and then Tristan Ebner. Uh, you know, Texas, Texas almost moved on Ebner late in the process. And then Abram was sort of a freshman phenom up in Abilene. Um, everybody knew him. I knew his guardian quite well. They really wanted to go to Texas and then he got hurt. And, uh, and a lot of the offers kind of went, went, went by the wayside, but he was like a freshman phenom in high school. Um, and he had a touchdown run versus Oklahoma state where he got in the open field and you're like, okay, there's that, there's that guy that we all expected out of as a freshman in high school. And so he's delivering this year. Great story. Um, I think Baylor's just got things going in, in, in good good uh, good working order on offense. You know, Jerry Bohannon has been efficient, and that's testament to the running game. And also, also he provides a run threat. So Texas hasn't defended a, a running quarterback in uh, in about 10 years. Uh, and so we're going to see if those improvements that I think they're making because they're able to play that bigger package uh, with more linebackers on the field. Uh, they're a little bit bigger up front. Alfred Collins in place of Jet Bush. I do think they're going to play the run better, but, you know, we'll see that that hypothesis will be tested in six days. Let me ask you this. And so this is a great conversation because you mentioned Alfred Collins and, and Texas did uh, find something a, a little bit different because they stopped the run in the first three quarters against Oklahoma State fairly, fairly well. Right. Um, and at the same time, I look at Oklahoma State and they're they're not lighting up the scoreboard this year. So it's right. not like their offense is great shakes or anything, yet they still scored more against Texas than they did against uh, Iowa State up in Ames this weekend. Right. Iowa, um, State, I, Iowa State plays better complementary football. You know, their offense came through for them. Uh, you know, they got that. It was, it was an even back and forth uh, uh, second half as opposed to that one-sided second half where the offense couldn't do anything and the defense was on the field. So I'm not, I'm not so worried about uh, – the defensive collapse in the fourth quarter, I am, you know, kind of worried that maybe they're not in the greatest shape. Sometimes it does appear that way or, or physically strong up front. I do have some concerns there. Um, but I think if they play complimentary football, I'm, I'm not worried about them getting run over in the fourth quarter again. I, I don't think that's going to going to be the case. But Oklahoma State offense is not good. We knew that going into that game. Uh, it was just the, 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 the circumstances around how that get context came out in that game uh, led to them having that explosive fourth quarter. What did what did you watched the Baylor-Iowa State game. What did Iowa State do different on offense than Texas did to have success against Oklahoma State in that second half? Well, they found their playmaker, Xavier Hutchinson, their wide receiver, their best wide receiver. He's not, he's not necessarily a great receiver, but he's a good one. Uh, on the same page with, with Brock, he had a really, really big game. That was the thing. They fed him a lot. He had 12 catches. You know, It was a huge day by him. So they were playing complimentary football. They get their tight ends involved in the passing game, which we heard more about this this week in practice than targeting the tight ends, which I think they're going to have to, they're going to have to take the pressure off of Bijan. Ideally, Texas should have one of the top two or three rushing attacks in the nation. Once you get past the, uh, the service academies that just run it all the time. Uh, it's, it's actually kind of disappointing that they only have the 15th ranked uh, rushing attack with the best running back in, in college football. Gotcha. Um, so you think you see some progress as we, you mentioned it, these are the running teams. I mean, you got, uh, you got Baylor, then Iowa State, two good team running teams. Even Kansas State is primarily a running team with Deuce Fawn. Um, you know, I, I look at it and I'm wondering um, what your thought process is really on the identity, not of the Texas defense, because I, I see where you're going with that. Not only Alfred Collins, but maybe getting Jalen Ford more involved. What, what are we going to what, what is Texas going to do on offense you mentioned the tight end and getting him involved, but isn't that predicated on better protection or uh, having the quarterback be able to 
I, I feel like I feel I feel like Texas is in a quarterback conundrum right now. Yeah. And because and it and I can't tell whether it's because Casey Thompson's thumb was messed up all game against Oklahoma State or whether it's in and in the second half of OU, right? Because it yeah. got injured then. Or if it, it's something else, uh, if it's uh, Thompson's inability to manage a game once that first set of plays have kind of been run through. You, do you? I, I talked to Ian Boyd about this last week, and he said it may be a little bit of both. You have any thoughts on that? Well, I mean, they're still searching for an offensive identity. I think beyond Bijan and beyond the script that they come in with. You know, the script obviously when they when they enter each game, they have a plan. Sarkeesian has his game plan uh, ready to go. He's got the other team kind of dead to rights, and then. Uh, once that game plan is figured out and, and defenses adjust, then where do they go? That's the problem is finding where to go and relieving that pressure off of uh, off of Bijan and opening up the, the running game. So they are in a conundrum. They kind of have to, you know, they're in a place where they might have to rob Peter to play Paul, and that is getting the tight ends more involved in the passing game. Have you said that will open up uh, some some broader questions about pass protection because they are used a lot of times uh, to stay in max protect on the deep shot that they want to hit so badly. I think a problem is, uh, you know, one of the problems that I'm seeing is Casey Thompson probably doesn't anticipate the deep ball and throw it uh, when he needs to. He waits to see a guy open instead of anticipating or throwing him open. Um, that's not a specific critique on Casey. That's more of a critique on a lot of quarterbacks, really. Um, not every quarterback sees that play develop. Sam, Sam Ellinger missed that throw a lot of times in his career, actually. Uh, so that's 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 a problem. They're, you know, they're, they're still – whatever happens the rest of the season, Texas is still going to be searching for answers at quarterback going into next year. I feel pretty confident about that. What they can do now is they're going to have to get more dynamic and get more guys involved, uh, get more guys in space. They need to get Keelan Robinson more involved. Um, when Keelan starts working horizontally, it, it takes – it, it changes up everybody's eyes when he's on the field. They need him on the field more. It's, it's not the same as having Reggie Bush off and giving the ball to Lendell White, but the principle is similar. Uh, so they're going to have to get more dynamic with him. They're going to have to find another second uh, wide receiver to, to step up in the absence of Jordan Whittington. Uh, and they need to get the, get the tight ends involved. You want to see a more balanced attack. And, uh, you know, we're, we haven't seen that in, in the last uh, the last two second halves. Has that been – do you think that's the play calling? Do you think that's the, the ability of the quarterback? Do you think it's the offensive line? Do you think it's all of the above? Yeah, yeah, that's not a. We're not in a positive feedback loop. You know, this, the offensive line is normally the best positive feedback loop you can have. You know, it makes everybody better, uh, and then you can have a quarterback that makes up for it. You know, we saw that a lot of times that, that Clemson had. They didn't have great offensive lines, but the quarterback was able to make up for it. So Texas doesn't really have that. Even the running back, as great as Bijan is, he he is still dependent to some degree. You know, he's he's <laughs> he's he's somewhat human at least that he is dependent on offensive line functioning in a passing game to, to complement him. And they just don't have those complementary parts uh, in unison right now. I do think, you know, it's, I, I do think there is enough, there's probably more to work with than what we've seen in the second half. There's no, there's no real good excuse for them to just totally disappear in the second half. Uh, but they are, they are limited to a degree. Gotcha. So Baylor's defense is uh, definitely upper class uh, uh, laden, I, I guess is the best way to put it. Um, I think, nine starters are in their final year or I can't remember the exact number and I'll go back and I'll make sure I post it, post the, the total number on the message board after we finish this, this uh, conversation. But the, the thought there is that um, Baylor is not necessarily as good as Oklahoma state on defense. Um, And, but you know, they do have a defensive oriented head coach and defensive minded head coach. They're a little older than what, uh, TCU was, but not as experienced as, as Oklahoma State. Um, and, you know, 
what do you think? I'm just I'm just trying to think this through. The the recipe is for a Texas win against Baylor. I mean, is it because I, I hear what you're saying about getting the tight ends involved, getting Keelan Robinson moving in and and getting more playmakers on the field and, and sure. using more pieces of the pie and and hopefully Casey Thompson um you know distributing the ball better. Um but at, at the same time um you know Baylor I just feel like I think they're going into the Bears den, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I I don't want to say I'm not I'm not sitting here saying that that this is an unwinnable game. I think Vegas has a line at two and a half, three or whatever it is right now in favor I, of the I Bears. I bet on I bet on Texas in the first half and maybe Baylor in the second half. <laughs> <laughs> I would rather the opposite there, Eric, but I guess that's yeah. not going to happen right now. It, you know, is the recipe kind of to, to make, to force Baylor to throw, to, to force Baylor to, to play um, the entire field on defense? Yeah, know. well, it's, 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 it's kind of a similar thing than what we've had this year uh, with a lot of games um, where they want to keep the quarterback in the pocket and make him beat him with your arm. Um, you know, they need to get Bohannon trying to look for a second option, take away his primary guys. Uh, and, and kind of slow down the run game. That's it's a it's a very similar uh, general broad idea going into the game. We saw it with KJ Jefferson and Spencer Sanders and uh, uh, Dugan. You know these guys that can run. You got to keep them in the pocket and try to get them to beat you with his arm. Uh, but I I, I think uh, you know this this the past week with uh, the team Sarkeesian had them uh, focusing on themselves. You know they're going to focus much more on Baylor this week. They, they looked at Baylor and uh, you know very limited over the past week. And I think that really is the key is themselves. They are their, their own worst enemy. They shoot themselves in the foot. Too many penalties. Somebody, uh, Shane W. on our site, one of our, one of our better posters, um, had that stat about how bad they've been backed up in their, inside their own 20. And, you know, a lot of times those, those drives are stalled due to penalties. Um, and so they just have to play more disciplined and, and protect the ball. And if they do that, you know, every game has been hitting at crucial point where they don't make a play. Just make the play. And, and they don't just go on to win these games. They, they probably go on to blow them out. They're just not, you know, they're just not – executing you know I, um, I do I do feel like they're not executing to the degree they should now you know some of the blame obviously uh, falls on the coaches to get them to execute but these guys have to come up uh, and, and not make these boneheaded plays when it matters you know I, I I'll be honest with you I think that a lot of people would say that's mental toughness and some of it is but a lot of those false start penalties um, Bijan notwithstanding a lot of them are guys that are you know feel like they have to cheat to win a little bit by getting off the, getting their step off right at the right time. And yep. I, I feel like um, that people don't realize that those penalties sometimes are, are coming from, not just from a perspective of, Oh, this is a boneheaded play. It's coming from, Oh, I'm worried about, I'm going to get beat around the edge. If you're, right. You're yeah, Christian they, Jones. I mean, yeah, yeah. These guys, these are not dumb guys, you know, it's, they're not, you know, it's not, it's not a football IQ thing necessarily. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. All right. So um, we, we look at this and, and we've, we've talked about this. Let, let's, uh, you know, give people a little taste now for recruiting, because I want to bring that up with you. Um, Jamarian Miller, the running back from Tyler uh, Legacy, uh, has been committed to Texas. His brother uh, signed with Texas way back, I guess, two or three years ago, but did not, make, yeah, did not make the grades. Um, but he took an official visit to um, Alabama this weekend in a surprise move. Um, Jaden Blue, the running back out of, of Klein, uh, was allegedly talking about looking around a little bit. Um, any other guys that you're hearing that are that are wavering? Um, 
or or do you think that that's just you know a little piece of it and not the entire picture right now? Yeah, I don't think that paints an accurate picture of the whole thing. Um, you know, obviously Armani Winfield is flirting with Michigan State. There's some heavy petting going on there. He's he's visited a time or two. Um, you know, be inter- interested to see uh, Mel Tucker's name is going to get brought up a lot. I'm not I'm not too worried about Armani. I think he's I think it's just some you know keeping some optionality and some. What do, guys- what, what do you mean by Mel Tucker's name is going to be brought up some? Oh, I'm sorry. With uh, coaching, uh, coaching jobs, you know. Uh, okay, so going like, somewhere else. Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. My bad. Uh, and so, I, I mean, these guys, they, they do like the attention. You know, I mean, that's uh, if if they feel like maybe they're being taken for granted. I'm not saying that's the case with Armani necessarily, but some of those guys do feel like they're being taken for granted. Just recruits in general, um, and then that opens the door for for other recruiters. You know, it's a, it's a nonstop game, and um, you know. Armani Winfield is Michigan State's Evan Stewart. You know, you have to look at it from that standpoint. So he's getting treated by one staff like he's, you know, the future Heisman winner. And then another staff is looks at him like, hey, he's been committed for eight months or whatever it is. And I'm not saying they're taking him for granted. I'm just saying that that's one way to look at it from the from the recruits perspective. Gotcha. Yeah, I, I think that as we look, as you and I look at recruiting and you've been doing it a long time, just like I have. And um, it, it is a marathon. Uh, yeah. Now, there's there's times when you need to sprint up the hill. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, and that's what that's one of the things we've talked about before, because, you know, um, Arch Manning, obviously the 2023 quarterback from New Orleans, the, the grandson of Archie and nephew of Peyton and Eli. Um, he was at Ole Miss this weekend, has visited Texas, uh, Georgia uh, and Alabama. I, I think he's going to Alabama in a few weeks or Clemson a week after next or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and. You know, I, I feel like he might be a recruit that could cause that snowball to start rolling down the hill, but we don't have a, a clear a clear set on timeline for him. He's a full year ahead. Um, you know, there there needs to be some movement fairly soon for Texas for the for the 22, uh, 2022 class. And you know, signing day has moved up now into December uh, yeah. from February previously. So there's not a lot of uh, you know we're at the end of October right now. Yeah, so, Archer's timeline is definitely uh, something to, to to pay attention to. You know, I think the longer it goes on, the worse it is for Texas. Uh, right now, I kind of feel like UT controls its own destiny. Um, and the reason I say it's bad is, you know, you just don't want any more variables. You know, I don't want – I'm watching for every variable. I don't want to know, I, you know, who's going to be the next LSU coach? Does that change things? Does Lane Kiffin leaving Ole Miss hurt Ole Miss or help Ole Miss? That's an interesting one to watch. Um but yeah, it would be huge for Texas to get him. They, they you know, I, I don't want to say they have to get him. It's not like the program is going to collapse if they don't get him. But, but it would just help recruiting so much. Not only is he a great talent, talent. Not only does he come with that well-known branding, but there's some. There's it's 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 like a co-signing. If the Manning sign off on Texas, it's them validating Sarkeesian as a head coach. Like if if he, if Texas is good enough for the Mannings, there isn't a recruit that it's not good enough. Yeah, I I, I think that's a great way to put it, Eric. Um, you look at. Uh, some other stuff that, that came out over the weekend with Hudson's Danish writing a, a, about a couple of offensive linemen in the 2022 class up in the Metroplex that Texas is starting to look at. I thought that was uh, good reporting by him today uh, or on Sunday, excuse me. And I, I feel like we're still, we're here we are in late October and we're still got some of the same themes we had in early October, right? We're still waiting for some offensive linemen uh, to, yeah. to come on board. We're still waiting on Evan Stewart. Uh, we're trying to figure out who else they're really, you know, who else is going to be the next to, to jump in the ship. Um, I jump on the, on the ship. And, and I think that until, until we get some answers, it's going to be more questions. 
And I think that's part of the part of the issue, right? It's like this self-fulfilling prophecy. You said uh, positive feedback, feedback loop. I'm going with the vicious cycle. That's, right. that's yeah. my term for it whenever it's just negative feedback loop. Potentially. Well, yeah, we're, we're definitely strapped in for the marathon right now. Like I always tell our readers is, you know, don't get too high or too low because things can change in a hurry for the better or worse. Um, you know, I was pointing to the A&M when they had that, we run the state thing going. It was just kind of comical to see that all collapse. So don't get too high. Like, you know, A&M gets way too high and they get way too low. Um, obviously, recruit, recruiting is the lifeblood. So it's extremely important. That's why we call it recruiting matters. You know, there's two sides to that. We're covering the matters of recruiting, but also recruiting always matters. Um, but it can change in a hurry. And, and if, if Texas, you know, goes on a win streak here, um, they already have a good foundation laid with a lot of these, these stud recruits that they need. Uh, things will go well. So just keep your powder dry and see how things play out. You got the scoop coming out on Monday. Um, you want to tease anybody with anything right now, or are you just waiting? Well, you know, I'm trying to figure out what's going on in, uh, with the team over the weekend. They had the, 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 the weekend was off and a lot of guys went home. So the fact that I didn't hear anything negative, that's, that's the good sign right there. You know, you never know what happens when guys go home and hang out with the old fellows and stuff. Or, <laughs> uh, yeah, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll catch up with Justin, compare notes. Justin was in Utah. Uh, checking out some prospects. Uh, Hudson did his little duty, his, his uh, normal duties in, in DFW. Jerry's been on the road. So we'll get together and, and brainstorm up, uh, you know, the latest on recruiting. Of course, we'll have a good scoop in the morning. All right. Hey, uh, Eric, uh, thanks again for your time. That's Eric Nalin, publisher of Inside Texas. Um, if you're interested in uh, the inside scoop on University of Texas athletics, please consider subscribing to InsideTexas.com. Uh, Eric, myself, Paul Wadlington, Jerry Hamilton, uh, Ian Boyd, Joe Cook, and Justin Wells. And Hudson Stanish. Uh, and Hudson Stanish. Yeah, we, <laughs> we're we all have on big, here. We have a big group. Yeah, we do. We do. But, uh, you know, we, we try to cover Texas uh, as, as deeply as anybody possibly can. So if you're a Longhorn fan, please join us. Also, if you like um, these videos, please subscribe to the video channel. Once again, I'm Bobby Burton for Eric Nalene. Uh, thanks for, thanks for uh, joining us.